Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Good morning, Upper Room Community Church. What a great day to celebrate. He is risen. Wow, thank you for leading us in such great worship. This was incredible. The great tragedy of Easter is that we can actually celebrate the event and miss the encounter. And today as we gather on this, the pinnacle of our Christian faith, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, when He conquered death and hell and sin for all eternity, This is a moment, yes, to remember. But more than that, this is a moment, hallelujah, for a fresh encounter with the risen Lord. So I invite you. I invite you not as spectators today. I invite you to actually come with a heart filled with anticipation that you will again encounter the risen Lord in a personal, in a powerful, in a life-transforming way. That in a few moments as we launch back out into our world, we would go there with hearts that are revived, hearts that are fueled with fresh fire, hearts that are living an uncontainable Christian life because we know that the resurrected Jesus Christ has transformed our lives. And we declare with all that is within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is a good news day. So follow me into John chapter 20. Beginning at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. And then he showed him his hands and his side. And all of a sudden, the the room that was filled with discouragement the place of disillusionment, the place of absolute despair was now riveted with overwhelming, hysterical, exhilarating joy. It is the Lord. Can you imagine being there in that moment? Oh. And Jesus speaks again. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he took a deep breath. And he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. As I stood outside of the theater today, this is what I prayed. I said, oh, come breath. Come from the four winds. And enter into those who are slain that they may live. And in my spirit, I sense this incredible, wonderful exhilaration. And the breath came and entered into Upper Room Community Church. Amen? And they stood to their feet, a vast, uncontainable army on the move for the king and the kingdom. So Lord, in this moment, visit us in a fresh way. We know historically that you rose from the dead. We know that you conquered hell and death and sin for all eternity. But Father, we know you also want to encounter your people. (laughs) You want to rivet us with the reality of your profound presence. So 
capture us again in this moment. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Between my third and fourth year at Bible college, I went on something called internship. I'm a Canadian kid, a city boy, and they actually sent me down to a place called Hardin, Montana, where all the good old boys would hang out. I realized very quickly that I was completely out of my element. Most of the men in my church were sheep farmers, and I knew nothing about sheep farming. But the first week that I was there, they invited me to something I had never imagined was even possible, a sheep shearing extravaganza. They would bring all the sheep from all of the ranches to one particular ranch, and that whole day they would spend time together shearing the sheep. Well, I realized this was a significant cultural event, and I better show up. They drove their four-by-fours, and they rode their horses, and I'll never forget that wonderful day as we were working together, we were laughing together, there was all kinds of male bonding going on, and I felt that I was really integrating with the culture, and at the end of the day, one of the good old boys, with his thumbs in his belt like this, looked at me and said, you ride horse, don't you, pastor? Now, I know you're not supposed to lie when you're practicing to be a pastor, but the last time I rode a horse was at Safeway for 25 cents, so you know. He pointed to a big black stallion and he said, well, mount up and lead us home. They hoisted me on top of this big black stallion and I learned a couple things about riding horses. If you are not an experienced rider and the horse is going back to the barn and back to food and back to comfort, it has one speed and that is a flat out gallop. And as soon as my bottom hit the salad, 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 saddle, <laughs> that horse took off at a furious pace. And I learned a second thing about riding horses. When you are in sync with the horse, meaning when it goes up, you go up. When it goes down, you go down. It is actually an exhilarating ride. However, if you are out of sync with the horse, meaning when it goes up, you come down, there's an excruciating pain that will go through your body, making you wish for death. <laughs> Very quickly, I was at the wishing for death stage. And I'll never forget one of my most profound Prophetic, uh, prophetic and pathetic prayers I ever prayed was, oh, Jesus, help me, help me now. And I grabbed one of the reins that was flying out here. I grabbed another rein that was flying out here, and I pulled with all of my might. And that horse must have had four-hoof posi traction. It locked up, slid down the road. I flew up off the saddle and ended up with my entire body wrapped around the horse's head. And there I was, frozen in time. And the good old boys were coming by in their four-by-four in a cloud of dust, laughing hysterically. And I'll never forget as they drove by, not wanting to help me by any means, they yelled out, lead on, pastor, lead on. <laughs> I've never forgotten that moment. Because in many ways, it has become a metaphor of the Christian life. We enter into the Christian life, and it is a, an amazing adventure. We mount up and we begin our journey. And there are moments in our Christian life that are absolutely exhilarating, profound breakthroughs, miracles, God's incredible intervention. But there are also times of deep desperation. There are times of disappointment. There are times when it seems like the forces against us are formidable. And you who are gathered here this morning, on Easter Sunday morning, probably within this crowd, there's a mixture of emotions today. The ride of your life may be going exhilarating. The ride of your life may be making you wish for death. And there may be everything in between. But this is what I want to declare to you this morning. 
This is the profound truth, that without the presence and without the power of the risen Jesus Christ, we can accomplish nothing. You see, the heart of my message for you is this. It is Christ in us, the hope of glory. It is Christ in us that gives us strength. It is Christ in us that invigorates us. It is Christ in us that energizes us. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey today, God is calling you into a heart-reviving, sin-defeating, boldness-producing encounter with the risen Christ. That's my hope for you this morning. The disciples were in a place of great desperation. I can't imagine that moment as they are gathered together in that room behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. All of their hopes had been dashed. All of their dreams about the kingdom of God had evaporated in that moment. And they were there huddled together in deep desperation. And yet in that moment, Jesus enters the room. It says that Jesus came and stood among them and hallelujah, everything changed in that moment. The doors were unlocked. The untamed faith within those disciples was absolutely released. And friends, I am calling us this morning to center ourselves unapologetically in the presence of the risen Christ because Jesus is alive today. He is alive today. This is the hope of our lives, that the presence of Jesus as the risen Lord actually still transforms fear-filled disciples into faith-filled revolutionaries for the kingdom of God. And I want to declare it again to you today. This is a moment for radical encounter with the living Christ. Because when we encounter the living Christ, our lives get transformed from the inside out. First, I believe that the powerless actually become powerful. Notice that moment as Jesus takes a deep breath and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to declare to you that in our churches in Canada, we do not need better strategies. We do not need more effective methods. We do not even need a more compelling vision. What we are desperate for in our churches is men and women full of the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the heart and soul of this message. And as the risen Lord breathes on his disciples, he says, receive the Holy Spirit because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in us. Like, this is good news, upper room. This is like phenomenal news. And I want to I wanna scream out to all of our churches, be courageous, be filled with the glory, the power, the presence of the living Christ. You are an unstoppable force filled with the power of God. Are. as we go into acts chapter 4 we see how this actually gets lived out in the disciples peter and john are going up to the temple at three in the afternoon and they encounter a man who has been lame since birth and as they walk through the gate beautiful and they encounter this man i asked the fundamental question how many times had they seen this man before he'd been there they'd walk through those same gates they'd seen that same man what is different about Peter and John today? What is different about them is they encountered the risen Lord and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to see their world as an opportunity for the exertion of God's profound healing and supernatural power. I want to declare over you today, Upper Room Community Church, do you still believe in the supernatural power of God? I mean, you cannot believe in the resurrection without believing in the supernatural power of God, amen? 
This is the pinnacle of God's unleashing of supernatural power. I just have this dream of seeing Alliance churches all over Canada where people leave our sanctuaries and go into the marketplace and they see their world profoundly different. They see their world as a potential, an opportunity for the supernatural power of God to be unleashed. Peter encounters this man. He's begging for the very sustenance of life. Peter says, look at me. And I don't know about you, but if you're begging for the very sustenance of life and somebody that looks like they have a little bit of money says, look at me, you think Lotto 649. This is going to be good. He has no idea how good it's going to get. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Don't you wish you would have been there? <laughs> Can you imagine that moment? This man is 40 years old. He feels this surge of energy and strength in his ankles and his legs that he's never known before. And the Word of God says he doesn't just gradually come to his feet. He actually leaps to his feet. And he begins to dance and praise and celebrate the supernatural intervention of God. Today on this day, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want you, church, to embrace a fresh sense of God's glorious power in your life and God's glorious power in your midst. I was preaching a message similar to this in one of our churches, and a woman had come in that morning paralyzed on her right side. She'd come in with a crutch, and I remember as she sort of hobbled her way to the center of the congregation. And when I came to that place in the text where I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, God instantly healed her right in the congregation. And I watched her stand up as I'm preaching. She decided to test it out. And so she went to the back of the church, and I'm watching her walk like this. And then I'm watching her run at the back of the church like this. And I said, I've seen a lot of different worship, VJ, but this is a new one for me. At the end of the service, I gave an altar call, and she's the first one that came forward. I'll never forget as she knelt down and was praying, and then she stood up to walk away. She left her crutch at the altar. And being a sensitive pastor that I am, I, I, I picked up her crutch and I went, I said, sorry, you forgot this at the altar. And I'll never forget her expression. She smiled and she said, exactly. God healed me today. And I remember her husband walking out of the sanctuary that morning, the crutches over his shoulder, like this trophy to the supernatural power of God. I want to declare over you, Upper Room Community Church, the power of God has been unleashed. Amen? I declare war on the mood of non-expectation in our churches. We ought to come with this radical anticipation of God's glorious resurrection power being unleashed in our midst. Healing ought to be normative in our congregation. We need to see marriages restored. We need to see our wayward sons and daughters come home. We need to believe in the core of our being that our God is still a supernatural God. The powerless become powerful. But also, the unclean become clean. Can you imagine that moment? And I'm especially thinking of Peter now. As they're in that upper room and Jesus shows them his hands and his side. These were the identifiable marks of Jesus. They had watched the nails pierce his hands. They had watched the spear pierce his side. But there was more going on than just identification. This was the reality that Jesus Christ had died for their sin. This was a marker moment. 
He had taken the sin of the entire world. Can I make it very personal? He took your sin on the cross. And he paid for your sin in its entirety. And I think about Peter who denied the Lord three times. What a penetrating moment as he recognizes that when Jesus died, Jesus died for him too. The one who denied Jesus. No wonder they were filled with hilarious joy. Can I declare this over you? There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> what was Peter's message? Peter's message was repent. Return to God. Turn your hearts to God that he may wipe away your sin and the times of refreshing would come from the Lord. As I stood outside the theater today, VJ, so I prayed for your church. Oh, God, would upper room experience times of refreshing that come from the Lord. Would this church know what it is in the core of its being that your sin has been forgiven and hallelujah, your shame has been taken away. I want to declare over this church, this is a no shame zone, amen? It's too many of our believers who are so trapped by shame and they're living under this cloud of depression and discouragement. Today we break that off right now in Jesus' name. We declare that in Jesus' name, you are free. I have a good friend that's been a bachelor for years, and uh, he's the messiest housekeeper you can imagine. He has a small apartment, and there are times that he doesn't wash his dishes for over three weeks. Let, let that image kind of sink in. He said to me one day, he was in his apartment, and some friends dropped by for a surprise visit. And he realized that by the time he let them into his apartment, to the time they got to his apartment door, he had 60 seconds to clean up his kitchen. He ran into his kitchen, took all of the dirty dishes off his counter, and stuffed them inside his oven. And then he went and he answered the door. And he, his friends came in and they said, we've got a pizza, but it's cold. Where's your oven? He said, the most humiliating moment of my life was having to pull out all of my dirty dishes in front of my friends. We have become masterful at the image. At creating that which looks pristine and clean, when we know that there is debris on the inside of our soul. And so, upper room, on this Easter Sunday, I've got a question for you. What's in your oven? What's in your oven? Because it's what hides in the oven. It's the secret place of the soul that breeds shame, which annihilates your sense of joy. It robs you of what God intends for you. And so I want to dare you in Jesus' name, to know this truth. The best oven cleaner I know is the risen Lord. Amen? He really is. And if you're here this morning, and if you know there's debris in your soul, I challenge you in Jesus' name, confess. Bring this into the light of the glorious gift of God's grace that He may forgive, that He may restore, that He may remove the sin in your soul, that He may declare you clean and holy in Jesus' name. This is a great day. This is a great day. I want you to be free in Jesus' name. The powerless become powerful. The unclean actually become clean. But now hear this. The fearful become fearless. Peter and John, as you go into chapter 4, are thrown into jail. And all of the religious heavyweights who are terrified because the message that they are proclaiming is Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It terrifies them. This is the question as they take Peter and John out of jail the next day. 
This is the penetrating question they ask. In what name and by what power was this man healed? That's a great question. And notice Peter's response. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says, leaders and rulers of Israel, if we are being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a lame man, and if you are asking us how it is that he has been healed, then you and all of Israel know this. It is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Don't you wish there was music at that moment? Ba-boom! Because... Jesus was the stone the builders rejected, but don't you know he's the cornerstone? <laughs> he's the center of it all. And then hear these words, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mankind whereby you must be saved. And I love this next verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, hold on, chapter 20 of John, they were locked behind closed doors for fear of the Jewish rulers. Now they're standing in front of the Jewish rulers and what are they saying? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized these were ordinary unschooled men, boy, I fit in that category. They were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. DJ, if they ever write an article about Upper Room Community Church, would you not love the caption to be, they must be hanging out with Jesus? Wouldn't that be cool? That the only thing that could explain what's happening in Upper Room is that the very presence, the power, the unleashing of God's glory, His grace, His majesty is so riveted in the hearts of this family of faith that the only explanation is you're hanging out with Jesus. Oh, this is good. And when they come back to the church that has been praying for them, now the church under persecution, but notice what the church under persecution declares. Oh, Lord, consider their threats. These are real. <laughs> consider their threats. But enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch forth your hand and heal. And if I ever wanted to give a prophetic word over this congregation, VJ, this would it be it. Oh, God, stretch forth your hand and heal. Heal in Vaughn. Heal the hearts of your people. Even today, those who are broken and decimated, Heal them in Jesus' name. God, stretch forth your hand and heal. And this one may scare you, VJ. Perform signs and wonders. It's time. It's time. It's time in our churches where we saw the miraculous power of God unleashed. <laughs> Bill Johnson puts it this way. He says, miracles are not the whole gospel, but neither is the gospel whole without miracles. That's a good saying. For what purpose? Manifest signs and wonders in the name of your holy servant Jesus. And the place in which they were meeting was shaken. So I know, I go around and pray around our churches, you know that, right? And pastors are always so grateful. They say, oh Dave, thank you for praying for our church. I look at our pastors, I go, you have no idea what I pray, do you? I did not pray a polite, nice prayer for you. <laughs> I actually prayed, oh God, shake that church at its foundations. Shake it to the core. Whatever debris has come into that church that is quenching the power of the Spirit, break it off in Jesus' name. And the place in which they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I came with a big idea. 
And the big idea was on Resurrection Sunday. Wouldn't it be amazing if a whole church got filled with the Holy Spirit again? <laughs> I just go, oh, Lord, I just want to be part of that. For what purpose? That they would speak the word of God with boldness. So I conclude with this. My mom is 89 years old. Two days ago, she actually moved all the way from her home in Abbotsford to come to live with us in uh, Georgia. Where are we living? Georgia. <laughs> she would be here. She was a little healthier. She would be here today, but she is praying for us. My mom is the most fearless woman I've ever met in my life. So my mom lived in a ground-level apartment in, in uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia, and every day she talks to her friend Phyllis on the phone. Now, Phyllis is deaf and my mom is deaf. Can you imagine that conversation? They're like yelling at each other over the phone. So one day, mom is yelling at Phyllis. Phyllis is yelling at my mom. And a young man, 21 years old, high on drugs, breaks into my mom's ground-level apartment and uh, goes by the room where she's yelling at Phyllis, goes into her bedroom, steals all of her money, all of her jewelry and her car keys, goes into the underground parking, finds my mom's car, drives it through the big iron gate in the underground parking. There is a huge crash. Everybody in the condo hears it except my mother. The police are called. Within 30 minutes, they get the thief. They get my mom's car back, her money back, her jewelry back. My mother does not even know she's been robbed. So when Constable Frank shows up at the door, my mom goes, I'm not sure why you're here. He says, it's okay. It's okay, Mrs. Hearn. You've been robbed, but we've got your car back. We've got your jewelry back, and here's your $35. And my mom goes, but I only had $25. And the police officer said, you keep it, dear. You keep it. Fast forward three months. My mom finds out that the young man has pled guilty, and he's going to be sentenced to jail time. And so uh, she phones me up and says, David, I want to go to that sentencing hearing. I said, Mom, why do you want to go? She said, I want that young man to know that I'm, I forgive him and that I'm praying for him. I said, well, okay, mom, we'll go. So we ended up in the courtroom with my daughter, my mom, and myself on, on one, one side, my middle daughter. And then on the other side of the courtroom was a young man's mother. And as we're waiting for the judge to come, in comes the young man's lawyer. He's a personal friend of mine. His name is Daryl Schultz. He's a part-time lawyer, part-time pastor. How that works out in the economy of God, I'm really not sure. He's like really good at both, right? He comes to me and he says, David, what are you doing here? And I says, it looks like your, your client robbed my mother. He goes, oh, no. Why is your mom here? I said, my mom wants your client to know that she forgives him and that she's praying for him. The judge comes in, all rise. Young man comes in behind a glass enclosure, sheriff beside him. And uh, my friend, uh, Daryl, goes immediately to the podium and says, your honor, I'd like to ask for a special privilege. It was granted. He said, I want to introduce you to the victim. Her name is Mrs. Hearn. He said, I've been a lawyer for years, and whenever the victim shows up in the courtroom, it's usually because they want to make sure the perpetrator gets the full extent of the law. But he said, Mrs. Hearn is here for a different reason. She wants my client to know that she forgives him and that she's praying for him. After that case was over, that provincial court judge went to Daryl Schultz. It's an actual quote. It's great. He looked at Daryl and he said, I hate people of faith. They make my job so difficult. Isn't that great? This was a stunning moment in a courtroom. He looked at the young man. He said, you stand to your feet. He said, today you have been offered a moment of mercy. These are powerful words in a courtroom. I'm only going to send you to half the amount of time I originally was because of Mrs. Hearn. Now, what do you need to say to her? This 21-year-old kid looks at my mother and goes, I'm really sorry. And my mother jumps to her feet and goes, 
it's all right, you're forgiven. It's such a powerful moment. Court case is dismissed. My mother goes over and embraces the mother of the young man and says, I'm going to pray for your boy. And she fearlessly prayed for that young man every day since then. In February of last year, I got a call from the lawyer who said, Dave, you'll never believe it, but that young man who robbed your mom, his name is Clark, he's got saved. And he's going to be baptized. Could your mom possibly come? And mom was a little too old to go. But if you show that picture, there's Clark. There he is. Uh, go to the next picture, and then the third picture is his mom over here. There he is. That's the guy who robbed my mom. Now, now go to the next slide, because this is such a cool thing. This is what the Daryl attorney wrote. It was the most amazing baptism my wife and I have ever experienced. Clark brought 10 of his unsafe friends, and most surprising of it all was as his mother was not only there, but had seen the change in Clark, started attending church, and became a Christian five weeks ago. She got baptized too, so I included pictures of her baptism as well. They gave their testimonies, and it was a blessed event. Thanks so much to your mom for the role she played in Clark's life. He thought it was really cool that I'd be sending her pictures of her baptism. Two months later, I got a hold of Clark. I said, Clark, would it be possible for you to come and visit my mom? And Clark said, I would love to come and visit your mom. Go to the very next slide. So here's Clark with my mom. This is in the very place of the crime, okay? Now, here's the interchange that goes on. Clark talks about when he was in jail, a Christian came and shared the, the, the powerful reality of the, the resurrected Jesus for his life. He said he, he repented and received Jesus as a Savior. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. God delivered him from alcohol. God delivered him from drugs. And God filled him with a passion to preach his word. And then he said these words to my mom. He said, but I robbed a few more houses since yours. <laughs> and he said, I probably have to go back to jail for a little bit more time. Such an amazing moment. But then he said these profound words, I no longer go back as a prisoner, I go back as a preacher. And my mother says, if you're going back as a preacher, you better be commissioned. That's what this is. My mother prays, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I commission you, Clark, into the calling that God has given you. May he fill you with his Holy Spirit. May he give you passion to reach those who do not yet know Jesus. Folks, when the place of the crime becomes the place of the commissioning, you know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? You do. And the fearful become fearless. And I got to tell you, in that room, there was a shaking. And we in that moment were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the passion of our soul was to proclaim the word of God with boldness. Oh, church, don't miss this moment. I don't want to have any more religious meetings. Do you? Don't. I want encounters. Encounters with the living, resurrected Christ that transforms us from the powerless to the powerful, that transforms us from the unclean, hallelujah, to the clean, that transforms us from the fearful, hallelujah, to the fearless in Jesus' name. So in a moment, we're going to see some baptisms. I, I would love to jump in there, VJ, but I won't. Maybe at the end, but it looks so inviting. But hear this. I was speaking in a large conference not too long ago. And at the very end, as I was leaving the auditorium, there were a set of bleachers. And, and, and in, the, in the shadows of the bleachers were, was a young man. And as I walked by, he said, 
hey, could you come in here? And I, I remember walking into the bleachers. It felt like a drug deal. It felt really weird, you know? So I go in and there, and there's, there's a guy who's about 29 years old, and his, he's sobbing, and his life is shattered. He says, oh, Dave, I'm powerless. There's such debris in my soul. I'm so filled with fear. Would you pray for me? And I remember in that moment, he dropped to his knees. It was such an incredible moment. He raised his hands. He said, oh, Jesus, come. Come, Jesus. And I remember putting my hand on his head and saying, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on him. And I felt the palpable presence of the risen Christ engaging his heart at the very soul. And what happened next was such a mystery to me. He jumped to his feet. He fist pumped the air. He said, hallelujah. He ran away. I never saw him again. Like, you can't make this stuff up. Until two years later, I was at the same conference. I walked into this auditorium, and that same young man I'd seen two years earlier, he spotted me, and he came running towards me. And I'll never forget, he never said hi, he never said hello. He dropped to his knees, raised his hands, and said, more, more, more. Maybe you're here today, you just, you don't know Jesus. And you've been encountered with the fact that he's risen from the dead. But for you, it's historical, not personal. Wouldn't this be an amazing day for you? If you just said, oh, Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Forgive my sins. Come into my life. Set me free. That's what you're going to hear. But I wonder if there are believers who are in this room and you've just run out of gas. You're on the wishing for death stage in the ride. What if the cry of your soul today on Resurrection Sunday was more? This is the one chance you get to be a little greedy. <laughs> more. 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 Come, breath. Come from the four winds and enter into those who are slain that they may live. Hallelujah, the breath came. Can you feel the breath? It's the breath of Jesus. And the Spirit entered in and they stood to their feet a vast army. More. More. My blessing for you this morning is that what you have heard would stay with you. That the voice of truth that is spoken about the power of the Holy Spirit, the testimonies that something would have remained with you and that it won't leave you. And maybe that's a tough thing to bless you with. It'll actually trouble you to the point that you are able to love and follow God more. And I pray that you would actually have an experience, an encounter with the risen Christ in Him, His very voice speaking to you. Would you receive that?